Awesome. We are so glad that you've come to the house of God this morning. It is so good. Let me, um, let me read a beautiful verse. Psalm chapter 34, and I'm reading from the Message Bible. So what it says, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs will expand. Mm, take a deep breath. My lungs will expand with His praise. How cool is that? Breathing is a way of praising God. How cool. So if you can't speak, if you've lost your voice, doesn't matter. Take a deep breath. My lungs expand every with His praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. Together, let's get the word out. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxiety, my anxious fears. Look at Him. Give Him your warmest smile. <laughs> Never hide your feelings from Him. When I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angels set up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good is God. Blessed are you who run to Him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all His goodness. So I don't know about you, but after hearing that, I think it's time that we enter in and we worship God. Amen. Let's put our hands together this morning as we love upon our God because He is a good God and He deserves our praise. Sing it with me. Good to you. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Sing that again. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Oh, yeah. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures
Yes, you are so good, so good, so good, so good. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are good all the time, all the time. You are good. You are good all the time, all the time. You are good. a high five and say, God is good as you take a seat this morning. Great to see you. You're sounding good. You're looking good. You made a great choice to be in church this morning. Wonderful to see you. Well, we give you a very warm welcome. If this is your first or second time to Activate Church, wonderful to have you with us this morning. As you leave this gathering on the right-hand side through the auditorium doors is the opportunity to pick up a visitor's a pack in there, you'll find a card for some coffee and some other details. We'd love to get to know you. If you could fill those in, that would be fantastic. So church, can we put our hands together to welcome our visitors this morning? That is fantastic. Awesome. Well, who's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary this week? Any birthdays, wedding anniversaries? Jacob, come on out. Wow. Kevin and Linda, how many years? 30, let's put our hands together, 30 years. Wonderful. Okay, church, why don't you stand with me as we declare this prayer of blessing over them this morning. That's not the prayer, by the way. Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Fantastic. Well, a couple of highlights for you. Ladies on June the 11th, it's a date to remember. This is for all ladies. Come along in the afternoon. 
is for all ladies. I was really impressed with the flyer. It said how to make 40 outfits from 12 items. That's got to be good. Yeah, every man should like, I, I, can I say this? I'm, I'm going to be in trouble, but I'm going to if it's all right, darling. <laughs> I'm going to stand over here. Wendy's wardrobe is pretty. I mean, it's, it just sort of keeps going. <laughs> Enough said. Come along. Come along on June the 11th at 2.30 and you'll learn how to make 40 outfits out of 12 pieces of clothing. Plus, there's makeup and there's all those sorts of wonderful things. So have a great time, ladies. I think it's awesome what you put on there, Jan. So well done. Truly. <laughs> okay, I'll put my wallet under lock and key now. No, it's fantastic. And you look beautiful, darling. You really do. Yes. Oh, yeah, nice cover out of that one, wasn't it? Okay, on the 1st and 2nd of July, we have the School of the Spirit. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. Spaces are limited. Early bird registrations finish at the end of this month, so I really encourage you to sign up. It's first in, first serve. Last time it was a wonderful time where people were really touched and grew in God. It was wonderful to see and wonderful to be part of. So I encourage you to become part of it. School of the Spirit, when is it? First and second of July. So it would be wonderful to see you as part of that. It's cool, isn't it? Well, why don't you stand to your feet, church? Who enjoys worshiping God? It is so good. I, do you know what I love? I love it that God is good. He is, he is good. He doesn't have a mean bone in his body. He's good. He's really, really good. And he's really, really good to you. Is he really good to you? He is. You have breath in your lungs. This is the day to express it to him. So thank you, team. such an honour to come into your presence this morning. Lord, we don't have to strive, we don't have to push, we don't have to do more, oh God, than what you have already done, oh God, to bring us into your presence, Father. We just need to be obedient, Lord. So Father God, as we come this morning, we're going to be obedient before you. You ask for our worship and we desire to freely give it this morning. Because you're such a good God. You are trustworthy. Our lives are secure in your hands. Thank you, Father. And I've heard a thousand stories of why they think you're but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are. 
Father, to you are, to you are, to you are. 
It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're perfect. And you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. We declare. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect. You're perfect, and you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect, Lord. Come on, begin to gaze on us, perfect, perfectness. So we pour out our 
Father, we thank you we can come into your presence and express and declare our praise. The Lord, you are great. The Lord, you are good. Lord, you are magnificent. And we praise you and we worship you. Let's continue to raise our voices to express our praise and our adoration to Him. For we exalt you, Lord. Worthy is your name. Worthy to be praised. Worthy to be exalted. Mighty, mighty is the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wow. I'm just thinking of Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's a wonderful psalm, isn't it? Let the birds praise the Lord. Let the Let the animals praise the Lord. Let the stars praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. Come on, let's praise Him. Lord, we exalt You. Mighty is Your name. We lift You up on high, Lord. You're worthy of all honor. You're worthy, Lord, of all praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you give your neighbor another high five? We've done a few of those today, haven't we? That was a good high five, Kristen. I saw that. Very good. (laughs) Wonderful. There's nothing like coming to worship the Lord together, is there? It's good. The the Hebrew word for good, you can turn to your neighbor and say it's really easy. It's tov. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say tov? It's easy. It's tov. Yeah. You could walk down the streets of Jerusalem and hear people say tov tada, which means... I'm well, thanks. Tov, tada. 
And in the first two books of the Bible, God says it is good. It is tov. That means it's functional. It works. It's filled with the very goodness of God. Everything that He makes is filled with His goodness. And the eight or nine times that the Lord says, this is good, this is good, this is tov, this is tov, there's one time He says it's not tov, it's not good. He says it's not good that a man is alone. He needs a wife. But it's deeper and broader than that. It's not good that children are alone. It's not good that people in a community are alone. It's not good in a church family that people are alone. It's not good that people don't step into all of God's best that He has for us. And today is, I'm going to call it a Tov service. It's a good gathering. It's a Tov gathering. Because today we're focusing on global missions. And a wonderful way to express the goodness of God through us giving and sowing into global missions. And today we're going to hear from Grant McAllister on video. I'm going to, we're going to hear a couple of testimonies from people in our gathering. Sheridan is going to preach an amazing message as always. And the children are going to join us. And as we conclude our gathering, I want to invite you to fill in. I'll get the right card here. Our faith commitment card. This is a good card. This is a Tov card. It's a Tov card. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing for all of us to do as family. And what we're going to do at the end of our gathering is an invitation is going to be given for you to fill this card in and to come up as a family or as a husband or a wife or even by yourself or with some friends and to pray over this card as you sow into global missions for what God wants to do around the world. We have a wonderful legacy of what God is doing, spreading His goodness wherever the good news of Jesus is preached. Isn't that great? Who's looking forward to that? I'm really, really excited. Do you know, I cannot wait for this part of our gathering to be here with Wendy. She's going to have to stop playing the piano then. <laughs> okay, you carry on. We'll pray together. And placing this as a statement of faith in global missions to see the good news of Jesus preached. Isn't that good? And people coming to Christ. Well, let's go with Grant's video. Thank you, Grant. Thanks for having me over to your house. It's great to meet everyone. I'm Grant. And um, yeah, I, think I appreciate you uh, letting me come over and share some things with you. Let me tell you a story. I think you'll really like this. It goes like this. As evening came... 
Jesus said to his disciples, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and they set off. leaving the crowds behind on the shore. Though other boats also followed and went with them. Suddenly a fierce storm rose up and water started filling into the boat and the waves were breaking and crashing in. But Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, aren't you afraid that we're going to drown? Jesus woke up, stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. The waves quieted down and the wind stopped. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have any faith? Now the disciples were absolutely terrified. And they said to each other, Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Yeah, very good. Not only is he good at telling stories, he's good at drawing too, I thought. I like the way Jesus sort of got up very quickly from being asleep and there spoke to the waves. So well, I'm going to ask a couple of people why they give to Global Missions and how their faith has grown through it. So I'm going to ask Sally. I'll come to Sally where she is and she can tell us her little story. Uh, I've just got a short testimony. Um, it can be embarrassing or uncomfortable to talk about money. It's a private thing, but sometimes we can learn from others when they share private stuff. I'm not good with money. I've got better, but I really have to work at it. 20 years ago, I was in a big mess with no money on the DPB with an eight-year-old and a part-time job and studying. I went to church, but I wasn't a Christian, and I gave $2 a week. It sounds embarrassing, it's uncomfortable to say it. It seems insignificant, but it was what I had, and it was a start. So over the years, my $2 has grown. But two years ago, I stuffed up with my... Whoops. Oh, thank you. I stuffed up with my faith commitment. I really stuffed up. But failure is the opportunity to begin again, only this time more wisely, with God's wisdom. Last year, I felt God say I had to double my commitment, double what I had stuffed up. Scary to double something that you weren't able to do the first time. However, I had heard that when you get your pay, you give your giving, tithe, or faith commitment first. 
So I finally took that advice, and my faith commitment is my first online payment each fortnight. So I had doubled my commitment, but after four months, I ended up in a new job with a pay decrease of 6000 And I'm thinking, God, I stuffed up last year. Now I've doubled it. How the heck can we do this? But I kept stepping into paying my faith commitment first. And after nine months of doing this, I won extra positions of responsibility, which secured for this year the 6000 shortfall and a further 6000 for this year, I'm getting double my shortfall. God blesses us in our stuff-ups, but I've learned you have to start somewhere. You have to listen to God, trust in Him, make your faith commitment the first payment each pay, and there are no stuff-ups. Remember, failure is only the opportunity to begin again, only this time more wisely. So ask for God's wisdom. Wonderful. Let's give Sally a hand. Thank you, Sally. Joss, why Global Missions, and how has your faith grown through it? Um, for me, when I think about all that finances can go towards, and family and mortgage, and all the busyness of life, uh, most of that doesn't count for eternity. And for me, when I consider, well, giving to church, but also giving it to Global Missions, it takes some of my finances and puts it into that eternal perspective. And, and I think that's key because we can get so trapped in life and busyness and now, um, and we lose perspective on what really counts. And so when I see videos like that from Grant and when I hear the stories on the missions field about what the people are doing that we are financially supporting, I'm a part of that because I'm giving into global missions. And so that's, that's the key for me. It means that out of the work I do every week, uh, that some of my finances and are getting stretched in that are going towards seeing the gospel um, go out, seeing people come to Christ, seeing churches established all around the world, places I've never even visited, but I'm a part of that, and that's a part of my um, eternal um, sowing, I guess. Thank you so much, Jos. Let's give him a big hand. <laughs> so how are we doing with faith commitments so far? Grant, would you mind putting the slide up? So for Faith Commitments 2016, okay, well guess what, we will show it to you, it will come, oh here it comes, here it comes, the balloons, yeah, here we go, look at that, wow, so for 2016 our goal is to raise about a quarter of a million dollars. And this is something that we've done year on, year on for many years. Isn't that awesome? I think we should put our hands together and congratulate everyone. That is a wonderful uh, investment. And thank you so much for your generosity. So this year, we've received faith commitments of $20,000. So there's some room to go. And so uh, let's be all part of that to see those balloons all filled up because this is people coming to Christ in Asia, North India and the Punjab, China, Vietnam, places in Europe. It's wonderful to see the good news of Jesus spread. And we, as Josh has said, are sowing into eternal things that will reap eternal rewards. So bless you in your giving. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Pastor Sheridan to come as he shares with us this morning. Let's give him a big hand as he comes. Good morning. Great. Why don't you jump to your feet if you need some faith? If you're on an impartation of faith. Yeah. 
Great. Great. Well, the best sermon I've ever heard on faith is actually, because God gives faith. The best sermon I've ever heard on faith in my life is this. You do not need more faith. You need less unbelief. <laughs> Trick question. Stay on your feet. Father, I thank you that you give faith. I thank you that it is a gift from you. I thank you it's something that we don't have to earn. It is something you exercise us in and you provoke us in, but I thank you it's something that we don't have to, it's not something that we have to earn. And this morning, Father, I would speak to the mind of every one of us standing. I include myself there, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, I banish unbelief. I bind it in Jesus' name. And where unbelief would run rampant, Father, we rebuke it in Jesus' name, and I ask that the faith of God would start to flow through those very same thought channels in Jesus' name, that faith would start to rise in our hearts, and that you would bring conviction with the faith that you've given that we can make a difference, that we can be involved. So for every person standing, Lord, this morning, I ask that, yes, there is an impartation of faith, and we would rebuke and command unbelief to leave in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got it, take hold of it and grab a seat. Awesome. Well, how are you doing in your uh, two connections a week with church, family? Doing all right? Two connections a week? I just thought I'd remind you of that this morning. Two connections a week. It's hard to feel like you belong if uh, you're not connecting with your, your, your family, your faith family. So two connections a week. Remind yourself of that. But how about this? Here's a thought for today. Discipleship involves a significant amount of personal responsibility. Discipleship requires a significant amount of personal responsibility. Now, I can hear some people's brains. You're probably sitting there and you're going, but I thought salvation was free. Absolutely salvation's free. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about, well, it wasn't free for Jesus, for God. It was free for you. But I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about discipleship. And discipleship costs. When you got baptized, you died to the old life. You're risen into your new life. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me daily. Discipleship actually has a whole lot to do with personal responsibility. A whole lot. Each of us has the opportunity to live and respond to God, but we also have the ability to ignore, to reject, to minimalize his ways. None of us have to push into God. None of us have to live as disciples of Christ. But there's a personal responsibility when I've said yes to Jesus to live in a way that reflects him and makes him look good. And brings glory to him. To go around, here's another thought. To go around calling ourselves Christians is actually very arrogant. When's the last time you said, hey, don't answer the question. When's the last time you said, hey, I'm a Christian. It's actually very, very arrogant to call ourselves Christians. It is culturally the thing we do now, because it's the label we wear, you know, put the badge on, I've got the Christian badge, I'm a, I'm a Christian, 
I got the Christian badge. But it wasn't always that way. And I would say, after thinking about this, at best, we can call ourselves disciples of Christ. At best, we can call ourselves in training, students of Christ. But the term Christian was never used as a label by Christians. Christians, in, in fact, if I went to Ray and I said, you're a Christian, I, I, was, in, I was actually insulting him. He, now, he may not have taken that as an insult. He might have gone, yes. But it was assume, a, a term that was used to insult. We see, only see the term a couple of times in scriptures in Acts 11 and Acts 26. In Acts 11, it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus uh, to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first, sorry, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It's the first time. Or Acts 26, this is um, Paul talking to King Agrippa. He goes, then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? It's kind of like, what do you think? You, can you persuade me to be a Christian? Christians, followers of Christ. Christian, belonging to the party of Christ. Christianos is the word. And it wasn't a label that people stuck on themselves. It's an adjective, it's not a noun. That means it describes, it doesn't name. It describes, it meant like Christ. And it should still mean like Christ. That's what Christian means. So disciples were never, would never call themselves Christians. I would go, hello, Brother Wayne. It's where those kind of words came from. Or Wayne is a saint. Do you know Wayne's a saint? Or all those kind of terms. They came from that because it came from a recognition, not a label. It was actually a derogative or derogatory term. And it was a label that was given because they lived and they believed and they spoke and they conducted themselves like Christ. That is challenging. That is challenging. It was a little or a title given by others to describe their lifestyle. It was not a badge or a title given to themselves to say they checked in at church on Sunday morning or they turned up at Activate Group during the week. It was actually how they described their lives. So the community was looking on, going, these ones are like little Christs. Christos, anointed one. These ones are anointed ones. These ones walk with the same way that Christ walked. These ones carry the same values that Christ carried. These ones have the same traits that Christ had. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty challenging. Just think about your last week. What did that look like? Think about what next week's going to look like. What does that look like? I think, wow, that, that's pretty challenging. So to be called a Christian, although it was a derogatory term, as a disciple of Christ, if someone called you a Christian from outside of the faith community, what a compliment. What a great compliment. 
In other words, I see in you the traits of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? The book of Acts tells us what some of the traits of the early church looked like in Acts chapter 2. Uh, verses 42 to 47, says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshipped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. And the while, all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is what onlookers looked on and called Christian. So what's in there? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, in other words, the teachings of Christ. They fellowship was a strong value. They shared meals. They devoted themselves or they prayed. There was a great sense of awe, and that was because of unity. They shared everything they had. They shared money with those who had need. They worshiped together daily in the temple. They met in each other's homes. They shared meals, and they did it all with great joy. And that they called Christians. So if you think you're doing pretty good this morning, let me pop your bubble. And just go and spend a little bit of time in Acts 2 and go, I wonder if I've got those things displayed in my life. I wonder how I'm doing in those things. I wonder if when my uh, workmates go, ah, oh, they're a Christian. I wonder if they're saying that as in, it's the label they've given themselves or it's they're a Christian because they display all these incredible traits in their lives. Good, eh? And I haven't started preaching yet. That's just the thought to open with. Yeah. Personal responsibility, personal conduct and personal conviction. Discipleship is full of it. We can all leave here today, and we can go and do whatever we like. There is no spiritual policeman going to be following you around this week, checking to make sure you're fulfilling the requirements of being a disciple of Christ. There is a personal responsibility, a personal conviction that we all carry, that we want to live like Jesus, that we want to represent the kingdom well, that we want to bring glory to him. How do we do that? I think that we do that by obviously the traits of Christ, but also by doing what he's put in front of us to do. That obedience is the only measure for maturity as a disciple of Christ. So we've got to ask, well, what am I being obedient to? What am I doing? God, what have you put in front of me? If you've got your Bibles there, I hope you have. Why don't you flick them open to Acts chapter 10. This is Cornelius. Cornelius, he calls for Peter. I'm going to read from verse 1. Ideally, we'd read to verse 48, but that'll take too long. So we'll probably go to about 23. It says, In Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius. He was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout 
God-fearing man, and was every, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa, or Joppa, and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner, who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier and one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened, and he sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. But could, uh, what could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men in to stay the night. The next day he went with them and accompanied, uh, went, went with them accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. As disciples of Christ, we carry a responsibility to be obedient to him. That's part of disciples. As I said, it's the only measure I can find to maturity of being a disciple is obedience. And God, we've got to remember, is always working behind the scenes. He's always got something going on behind that we can't see. We can see what's in front of us. We can't see all the other things that he's up to, but he's always got stuff going on. What we need to do is what's in front of us. What we need to ask is what is in front of us. I love this scripture. All Peter had to do was go. That's all he had to do. He didn't need to ask why. He didn't need to ask how. He didn't need to ask anything else. He just had to go. All Cornelius needed to do was send his guys to get Peter. That's all he had to do. He didn't think, have to think any further than that. God said to him, send for Peter, Simon Peter, and he did. For Peter, God said, go with them, and he did. 
Yet, if you keep reading the scripture there, what God is orchestrating is something absolutely incredible. Peter comes into Cornelius' household. He starts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. As he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, Cornelius and his whole household are saved. Not only are they saved, but the Holy Spirit is poured out on the whole household, which just changes the rules of everything forever. That's the reason we're here today. That's the reason we can celebrate like we do today. The Holy Spirit poured himself out on Gentiles, non-Jews. And they weren't even baptized. Even God got the order wrong. Unbelievable. They got baptized. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I think it was Cornelius who says, hey, seem this has happened. Do you think we should get baptized now too? Sweet. So they baptized the whole household. Amazing. God was knitting behind the scenes. All Peter had to do was say, yes, I'll go. All Cornelius had to do was say, I'll send some guys to find Peter. And God brought the whole thing together. What is in front of you today? What is in front of us today? I'll tell you, global missions. It's an amazing thing. I often, when I'm overseas somewhere in the thick of it, because I know that sounds uh, romantic overseas somewhere. But most places that I go overseas, I see the inside of a cab, the inside of a hotel room, and um, a bunch of people that we're ministering to. And that's the extent of it. Last year, I went to London, and that was literally all I saw. In and out, three days later, and that was all I saw. I was there for a purpose. Uh, it's not romantic. Anyone who travels for work knows that traveling by yourself is far from romantic. Um, and you know, don't you, Wayne? Yeah, it drives you nuts, airports. Anyway, um, when I'm traveling, I'm normally in the thick of it. And, and just about every time I go, at some point on the trip, I become overwhelmed with the people and with the need that's presented in front of me. Earlier this year, I was in Delhi, and, and I found myself standing on a, a street, um, corner trying to cross the road, which is a mission in itself, and and there's just hustle and bustle and craziness everywhere, and I find myself becoming overwhelmed. And the thoughts that go through my head are, Lord, why do we even bother? This is ridiculous. Look at the need here. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter what we do. Is anything ever going to change? This is ridiculous. Surely we're just better to curl up and pretend it doesn't exist and hope the problem will go away because these people are lost. They really are, in Sally's words, stuffed. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit without fail will say to me, Sheridan, just number one, get your eyes off the problem. And number two, what have I asked you to do? And if everybody did what I asked them to do, we wouldn't have a problem. Anywhere on the planet, we wouldn't have a problem. And it's a very good reminder. And today we're presented, we have in front of us global missions. So I'm asking the question, what's God asking you to do? What's he asking you to do? Can I ask you a few questions? The first one's obvious. What is in front of you right now? The answer is global mission. What's in front of you right now? Second question is personal responsibility. What are you going to do about it? 
don't sit there and look at the person and think on your left. You know, we all do that, don't we? So I was sitting in between Jan and Wendy. My first conclusion is, I know what Jan's going to do because we've had the discussion. So my first thought was probably, I wonder what Wendy's going to do. Is she doing anything for global mission? How many of you do that? Most of us. No, no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? As a responsible disciple of Christ, one who has laid down my life in pursuing Jesus, he's put something in front of me, what am I going to do about it? Thirdly, is Christian just a label for me, or is it actually a reflection of my life? I hope you didn't come to church today to hear something nice. Sorry. This is nice. This has eternal value beyond measure. Because I'm absolutely convinced that everyone can help. Every one of us can help. Shane was here a couple of weeks ago and he preached that incredible message about somebody's buried something. It was very, very good. So should I be involved with Global Mission? Instead of asking the question this morning, why should I be involved, can you ask the question, why not? We live in a with a generation in a world that always asks why. But this morning, can we ask why not? It's a better question. Why not? 2 Corinthians 9 says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your hearts how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, then uh, they will thank God. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers will be met. In this case, the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, two wonderful four words. Can I put a little note in here this morning? When we're talking about global mission, I am not talking about your tithe. We are talking about an offering. A tithe is not an offering. A tithe is returning to God what is his in the first place. It was never yours. All you're simply doing is returning what is his to him. The Bible talks about robbing God of his tithe. Many of us rob God of his tithe because we hold it and it was never ours in the first place. It was always his and we return it to him and we do that by way of giving to our local church. We give it to him and that helps the work to happen. That's the way God set things up. We're not talking about tithe. We're talking about offering. You can't be generous with a tithe because you can't be generous with something that's not yours. But you can be generous with an offering. 
And today we're talking about global mission offering, faith, promise, offering. And uh, so they are different. And uh, it's about the Great Commission. It's about advancing out beyond here. Why do I want to give? Because Jesus' final words to me were make disciples. Jesus' final words were make disciples. This year, global mission, we're going to make disciples in Thailand, in China, in Hong Kong, in Vietnam, in South India, in North India, in Europe, Indonesia, Hamilton, New Zealand, and more, and more, and more. Global Missions this year is also going to address some of the needs, and, and we're moving this way a little bit more, but we're, you know, some of the things that we are involved with and supporting are going to address needs of poverty this year. They're going to need, uh, address needs of trafficking and slavery this year. Did you know trafficking and slavery is the biggest blight on the planet at this moment, moment of time? Billions of dollars. You can buy a slave in Asian countries. You can buy yourself a slave, a sex slave, for 300 New Zealand dollars. It's terrible. It's terrible. Well, some of the guys that we're working with are making a difference in this area, and we're going to see that rise over time. We're also going to see education take place in people's lives which will give them the ability to live a different life as well as share the gospel with them. I think that's a pretty good investment. I don't think it's a great investment. Thailand, China, Hong Kong, Vietnam, South India, North India, Europe, Indonesia, New Zealand, and Hamilton. Poverty, trafficking, slavery, education, hope to the hopeless. What a fantastic investment for us to be involved in in global mission. Why would you not? Why would you not? If every person... Adult and child, if every person gave $250, every person in our fellowship gave $250 this year, we would exceed our target quite significantly. We would exceed our target. 200, that is $5 a week. If every adult and child in our family of faith gave $5 a week, we would exceed our total required of quarter of a million. We'd exceed $5 a week. That's like one coffee less a week. I'm personally challenged that that's not enough. And we've decided as a family, we're going to give many times that. And why are we going to do that? Because we want to. We're going to make it happen because we want to make it happen. That's what we want to do because that's what part of what we're called to do as disciples of Christ. I think that nearly, there are some exceptions, but nearly every family can do $5 per head per week. minimum. For some of you, that would be insulting. Some of you could do 500 a week, and you will not miss it. And it will have eternal 
incredible, eternal benefits. Some of you could do a thousand a week and you still wouldn't miss it. But I reckon there might be a couple of exceptions, but just about every single one of us could do $5 a head. Minimum. And we're changing eternity. Not only are we changing eternity, but we're making life a whole lot better for people here and now too. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, Jan, can we get the kids? If the, we've got the kids this morning. I've asked for the kids to come back this morning. Now, if you're a parent, I'm not. You, you do what you want. You don't have to share how much you're going to give with your kids. That's totally up to you. But I thought it'd be really cool that as you put your card in this morning, you prayed with your children and said, Lord, help us on this, particularly if you're giving and it's going to cost the kids something too, you know. Maybe they're not going to get that something they thought they were going to get this year. And you can go, well, we're all going to pray together on this. Lord, supply the need. Faith giving, you can, you can give it all now and believe that God will make up the difference. Or you can promise that over the next year you're going to sow in. Jan and I are going to sow over the next year. We can't do it all now, but we're going to sow over the next 12 months. And so we're going to do it together. And we're going to put our card in. So how this is going to work is you've all got these cards and they are either on your seat, in the seat pocket in front of you, or if you cannot find one, just hold your hand up and the ushers, the host will bring you one. And they've got pens too if you need a pen. These are really cool little cards. We ask for your name and email, not because we want to keep track of you, but because we want to send you mission updates. Okay? If you really don't want us to know that it's you that's giving X amount, well, don't put your name on it. That's okay. The, the card really is to help us uh, set our budget so that we can give the, the, the missionaries and the organizations we're supporting some kind of assurance for the year ahead. So fill it out. And, uh, my faith commitment total, likely installment amounts, frequency. When you've done that, and whether you've been involved before or this is the first time, when you've done it, just fold it in half, rip it down the middle, because this has got great information to keep on for you, and this has got the information that we need here. And then I encourage you to pray. And if you're here today and you're married, you're here with your husband or wife, pray together. And if your children are here, pray as a family. And then come and pop it in a box. Can we sing a song just while, while people do that? And then I'm going to pray and then I'll invite you to come and we'll make our faith promise offering this morning.
next gathering because we want to do it with our boys. Might cost them something. Good if they're part of it. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, come. And if, look, if you're really not ready to um, 
you haven't thought it through yet, you'll be able to put the cards in for the next few weeks or whatever, but my prayer is that every single one of us is involved. And uh, I am so grateful to God that He has spoken so clearly to us as a church about the things that He wants us involved with. Global Mission, House of Prayer. It's, uh, it certainly takes a mystery out of it when He's spoken to us so clearly. So Father, I thank You for every person. Lord, it is our desire that wherever, whenever, we will be like Jesus. And that includes our finances. Whether it be tithes, whether it be offerings, global mission or other things that you would be Lord of our finances. And Father, today we've made promises, we've sown by faith, expecting that you will make the difference, that you will come through, that you will provide. Lord, the questions of how, if, or anything else that are entering our minds, we banish those in Jesus' name and we say, you are our provision. You are our supply. And we will be faithful to let what you give flow through our hands for a greater cause. So Lord, I ask your blessing and I ask your provision on every person and particularly every person who stepped out in faith this morning that there would be testimony of miracles of supply as we go throughout this year in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that today brings a smile to your face as we respond as a family of faith together to the Great Commission. Let every person go into the week this week with that sense of being on mission, that sense of wherever, whenever, being like Jesus that sense of my Christianity is not just a label that someone's slapped on my chest, but it is a reflection of who you've called, created me to be and who I am and who I'm becoming. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Pastor Sheridan a hand. Thank you, Sheridan. Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your generosity, church. Remember the, the Holy Spirit gave me this word that we're not a yesterday church, we're a yes today church. Yesterday, many yesterdays, Peter and Cornelius said yes to God on that day. Today, we are saying yes to God. Yes to His possibilities. Yes to disciples being made. Yes to revivals. Yes to breakthrough. Yes to to hope, yes to faith, yes to the love of God being shown, shared. Isn't that good? Yeah. Well, children are coming out soon. In fact, they're here now, aren't they? I didn't know that. I was just checking if you're awake. What they are going to come with is a take-home question, mums and dads. Take a seat for two ticks. They're going to ask you, what does the Bible say about speaking in tongues? And if you're really stuck on that, ask them, because they'll have some great answers. And I'd really encourage you to open your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 1 and 2, and have a little bit of a look there, what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. 
It'd be wonderful discussions to have. This evening, we have Pastor Jan sharing at 6 p.m. So we're looking forward to that. Come along. It'll be a wonderful time of gathering together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. This is your day. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your favor that rests upon us. And Father, right now, I release your favor, Lord, upon every household represented here today. May your favor rest on us like a coat. May we wear it easily. May we wear it with the understanding that wherever we go, that your smile is upon us. That, Lord, we don't have to work to please you. You have done the work. And that we live under your smile and your grace. So, Father, I declare your blessing and your favor upon us all in Jesus' name. Father, as we go and as we give of our tithes, I pray you bless every family represented here as they would give and sow into the things of your kingdom. May your peace and your grace and the power of your Spirit be ever with us. And everyone said, Amen.